Hello, welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. The last week where we have this title as our name, but boy, Tom, does this Monday hit a little bit different. What a background you got there, man. Yesterday was enjoyable. Oh, it, it was great. I mean, as we've been joined by our uh, special guest, J.B. Hansen here, um, you know, we, we were very, I think, I don't want to say fortunate because I think he played very, very well, but uh, it, it got tense on the last couple of holes and, uh, you know, Laporta not putting the pressure on probably helped JB with that chip, uh, meaning that Paul was good enough to kind of fend off uh, Bert Wiesberger. Um, if he'd have needed a birdie to avoid the playoff with Francesco, I'm maybe a bit more concerned. But look, he, he deserved it. I think he was brilliant. Um, you know, he, he did exactly what we expect him to do. The reasons we picked him uh, was really good ball striking all week. Uh, if he sorts his chipping out, then he's going to be very, very good, which we can say about one area of the game of, of pretty much everyone on tour. Yep. Absolutely. 66 to one winner wire to wire. No, I think he was second right after one of the rounds. Yeah. Um, so he's tied. He was first on the first day and tied first. On yeah. The third, doesn't he? Yeah. But man, no, that, that felt good. Um, you know, when we went in with, you know, the birdie bonanza that we knew it would be, and he had been lighting up the scoreboard in that retrospect. Um, and it was a consensus pick a lot across the board. I mean, uh, you don't get those community wins all that much. So that was a blast to hit that. I think it's our fifth winner of the year. We have quite a few places. Um, if you've been following with us, it was, it was a dry spell. I'm not going to lie. You know, we were, we struggled for a little bit of time, me especially. And now to hit that one together, Tom, man, it just makes the end of the year feel so good. Um, and lead us into our final event, which is, you know, 53 man field. I believe now we are at for the DP world tour championship, um, staying at Jamira golf estates. Now last week was the fire course this week. We're popping over to the earth course. The one we have seen historically, um, in this event. So, um, as we lead into it, just for those that, you know, follow maybe the PGA tour more than the European tour. This season finale is different than what we see at the FedEx Cup finale. So where it is one winner and you start with the staggered scores, European Tour knows it's a terrible idea. So they've gone with the retrospect of a season-long point standings that, you know, accumulate and you can have almost, you know, two leaderboards simultaneously happening. It can get quite crazy with swings, you know, here and there with a, you know, a half of a place, you know, somebody's tying for a place might adjust it. Lee Westwood was that winner of the season long last year while Matthew Fitzpatrick took home the crown at this event. Um, almost have to think back to when like Tiger Woods won, um, you know, the, the FedEx championship while Justin Rose was the overall season winner. Um, you know, that kind of we can have, and we can have some big time winners here. You know, there are still some really talented golfers. We have PGA tour guys coming over playing. We have some exemptions that were given into a, a finale, which is a little odd. We have John Rahm not showing up to the event. So uh, what's your breakdown overall of, of what's ahead of us this week? I think, I think the trouble is, is that, like you say, the better format in terms of the final, the, the finale of the DP world tour, which ironically is what the actual whole tour is going to be called next year. But um I don't like the way they do it, right? I don't really like the rankings. They're, they're way too heavily weighted to the majors. I mean, we've got Colin Morikawa there, just miles out in front of everyone because of his major performances. Um, a little bit different because he's played, obviously, nine times. You know, we had Wills Adatorius had barely played in European Tour. Obviously a big fan of his, but doesn't really have 
any real right to be up here in, in terms of ranking. So I, I do think they're a little bit false. Um, I'd like to see, like Westwood did last year, someone that, that plays European Tour a bit more actually win the title. And, and that can still happen, right? You know, it's not necessarily Morikawa or Horshaw are going to win. Um, and, it, you know, Horshaw will be a bit different because obviously one at Wentworth as well. So there, there are kind of differences to it. It's just, I think there's a little bit of a problem. But, you know, we tend to see that the temptation this week is going to be to take on a few of the guys that we've spoken about all year round uh, at fancy odds. You know, I like to say that I'll take them in deeper fields at longer odds. But when you look back at kind of the top fives of these leaderboards over the years, it's kind of always been the big names. And you've kind of got one guy in there um, with a bit of a surprise, one that we're going to come on to later, tell it twice. Um, you know, it does happen, but I think it's really, really hard to rely on it. And I think, generally speaking, the winners come from the top of the board. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the biggest event, you know, arguably outside of Wentworth of the year. You know, you have those talent. It should be something where, you know, the talent does deliver, but it does leave the opportunity if Morikawa slips up, you know, doesn't have a strong finish. That is what I do like is that you could, anybody is arguably not anybody, but a lot more are yeah. alive here than if you're starting with a 10-stroke deficit um, for the week. You know, that's where um, you get rewarded. Maybe the points are, are a little bit flawed. I, I don't disagree there. Yeah. Um, but there is still the opportunity that a big week could deliver somebody, you know, who's not sitting in that, um, you know, sweet spot right now that, that could win it. And, 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 you know, to your point, Richard Bland has the opportunity to, to win it. Right. And, and you know, whether I think he does or not is, is not the point. Minwoo Lee, again, two guys that play very steadily all year long on the European tour, but Beesberg, I don't think he's actually got a chance to win it, but I think, I think he could go very close, but, you know, the fact that they're nearer the top suggests that if you do play well enough all year round and maybe put a performance in one of these WGCs or the, all the majors, then you can be rewarded. So it's good to see that there is still that element to it. And I think that with a little bit of rejigging, this could be a really good, good race again next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that being said, we can dive into kind of our odds board here. We do see inform Rory McIlroy on the European tour um, this week, deservingly so as uh, our favorite to lead off the leader. But I think it's worthy of a conversation to discuss um, what I think he's about six to one um, in most spots. So do you have any thoughts on him coming off a victory the last time we saw Rory? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Rory's played like a, a six-to-one golfer for a very long time. I know he got the victory there at the CJ Cup, and and he was brilliant, right? And and if he performs as he did at the CJ Cup, then of course, you know, you can't make him any other price. And and bookmakers will always avoid Rory McIlroy because they know that people are going to bet on him regardless. People are going to take, you know, they put him up at ten to one. The liability is going to be absolutely ridiculous. So you can see why they do it. I will never, and we we just don't do it. We don't go to that part of the board very often anyway. Um, but I think there's plenty of value elsewhere from Rory McIlroy. And even like Colin Morikawa, right? I think he's about eight to one this week. And and you kind of think, you know, should there be that much of a difference? And I suppose because McIlroy's obviously got the rich history here and played very often. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, it to me feels like you just can't go there. I think they're wanting you to do it so they don't have to take bets on him. And that's probably what I would suggest anyway. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I have a tough time um, being the one betting Rory. I don't know. I just, he's often way too short for, for my liking. And that's just a kind of a, a stake I put into the ground. I mean, Morikawa, again, it's just, um, I don't, I mean, it, you can't really pick apart, you know, the talent. They, they, there's a reason why they are there. I, I prefer getting golfers that I think have, 
that capability to win here at three, four X of these guys in better, I guess it's tough to say better form with Rory, but I think even longer form, um, you know, you go through what the, the odds board is. I mean, you do get to see some talent over here that we don't talk about week in and week out, you know, Fitzy is, um, you know, tuning up for the hero challenge open that he snuck into uh, this week. Um, but Fitzy's in, you know, answer, we get to see him. Sergio is over here. Sergio arguably has without a win, the best course history of the recent few years um, here. And then you kind of get into that wheelhouse of some of our guys that we're betting um, often, or at least discussing at the top of the board, the, I would say community selection, the one that's probably ripe on everyone's board this week. And we're going to see it um, everywhere. I know you tweeted the version that was very funny this morning of the circle. Or was that you, the circle with the Kisner? Someone filled it. Maybe it, it wasn't. wasn't. It wasn't me. Um, no, I, can't I think it might've been Chris Murphy that did it, um, <laughs> yeah, it did. but it was really funny the circle and then the Kisner for people who are betting. Right. I think that's going to be Bern Wiesberger on the 100%. European tour side. Everyone's going to be betting him. And why are we doing that Tom? And the thing is, and this is going to—it's a really good segue actually, because my point about Rory, my last final point on it, B is I can bet Bernd Wiesberger. I think he was twenty-five to one earlier. You know, twenty-two to one still, even at a fifth of that at the each way, is almost going to pay what you need Rory McIlroy to win, right? So why take a chance on Rory McIlroy winning, which he's done here twice? He's also finished second, third, fourth, fifth. He's done everything here, you know, multiple times. There's a reason he's six to one, but I've got to take a chance on Bernd Wiesberger, who's far and away the best. T to green player in the field at the moment, you know, by by a decent amount. I think at least three strokes better than the Nikolai Hoygaard in terms of the last 15 weeks. I know obviously once you come into a little bit closer, that, that's slightly different. But long term, he's just been striking the ball incredibly well. And and I said to you yesterday in a message, I said that I was going to back Bernd Beesberger regardless. And I thought that maybe the course history would kind of put enough people off that, that the price wouldn't be what it is. Um, that isn't the case because people are smarter than that and I should really give people credit for that. Um, but, you know, when, when you look at his course history, he's he's never played brilliantly other than one performance, right? He finished fourth, uh, was it back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, you know, where he was never, he was fourth after the second round, eighth after the third round. So he never felt like he was going to win. Um, and, and in the last three since then, 45th, 28th, 36th. So, you know, this is not a specialist course for him by any means, but I think just the talent is going to take over. I think that he would have won last week if he had anything like a decent putter. Um, I'm sorry, I missed some horrible ones on Saturday. Um, why do I think that's not going to happen this week? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that he's suddenly just going to turn it on this week. I just think that the value of him at anything plus 20 to 1 um, to take a chance on him doing that is plenty good enough for me. Yeah, I mean, he hits the mold of, of course, in form T to green, especially those irons. And that's where I think his biggest shift has been this year. And it's unfortunately come at the cost of what his short game, you know, hasn't. If his short game kept up to what I always thought Bernie Wiesberger yeah. was, like, you know, he was that guy that infuriated you when you bet against him or bet on other guys at the top of the leaderboard because he wouldn't go away and he would scramble to save par with a long putt or make a birdie when no one else is like, Burn would always be that pest up at the leaderboard. And if his putter would have remained what it was, he would have had an unbelievable year. He really would have, like it would have been best in class. You know, he could have been right up there, you know, in that top seat and, and made some impact on the PGA tour. Um, but to get the odds that we have in this event, 
yeah, I'm absolutely going back to the well. The best there was what 25s this morning uh, might be down to 22 stateside here um, right now. But Which yeah, is fine. yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And, and, and I think, you know, there's a player on, on the RSM Classic, which obviously we're not talking about, but Russell Henley, right, is a player that, to me, I used to remember being quite good at short game. You know, he's, he's putting when he first won the Sony Open. He was, he was lights out the short, uh, the flat stick, uh, and his chipping was pretty good. Now he can't buy a putt, and it feels exactly the same as what you just said about Bernd Beesberger, that once one part of your game hits the peak, um, you know, it, it's hard to match all parts up. You know, I think before he was a well-rounded golfer, He's now a brilliant golfer tee to green and just happens to come at the expense of, of, of putting. And that's just something that if you practice as much as he would have done on the driving range, you know, hitting the ball the way he does, yep. you don't you don't save as much room for putting. And, and someone that you're going to come on to later on in your picks as an outsider is exactly the same. Yep, absolutely. Um, the other golfer that I think is hand in hand with burned in the European tour form um, <clears throat> is, is Min Woo Lee. And I'm not going to, you know, avoid him because I, I, he's just so good, Tom. He is unbelievable at his age to, to put the season together that he has. Um, and, and last week felt pretty effortless. I don't think, you know, you look at statistically, it wasn't like he lit it up anywhere all that much, um, but you could watch him on Sunday and it just so calm, so, he put it up on his Instagram afterwards, like top five, you know, ready for the big dance left next week. Let's go. Like he turns up for these type of moments. I think he can compete with some of the best in the world. I mean, realistically, the only time we saw him in a major that, you know, he was in this type of form. It was right after that win at the Scottish open where, you know, just running on fumes. And I think the more and more opportunities Min Woo gets on the big stage kid can absolutely play and, there hasn't been like a, a skill set necessarily that, you know, molds this course. I think it's just something that anything can, can be successful. If you play really good golf, I mean, Sergio Fitzpatrick, obviously winning here, uh, you know, it's just, those don't seem like comparable esque in, in some of my, I mean, Rory, of course, maybe it is off the tee dominance. And if that's, you know, you want to do well off the team and woo, you know, one of the best out there, yeah. but really good chipper too. Um, just needs to keep, you know, running hot, I guess on the greens, but yeah, just was a casual top five last week, continue this good form. And I'll accept that number. I think there was thirties still out there. Yeah. Uh, a few 30 to ones here stateside that to me just seems enough in there with, I think, you know, potentially the best European tour player this entire season. And, and, and it's what he is the perfect example of what I've been talking about, right? In the sense that he would have been what 16 to one, whatever he was last week, yeah. a bit shorter. Um, and and you take a chance on him. You know, the upside of Minwoo Lee to me is, is a major contender. Um, I, I firmly believe that after this spell, I thought at the Scottish Open, it was kind of like that was a uh, vindication of his. Um, you know, previous talent and, and potential and that kind of wrapped that up. And then it was about how he reacted to that, right? And, you know, second uh, Valderrama on a course that doesn't suit him, great. And then he follows up with an eighth and fourth place finishes. Even in Portugal, it didn't really strike me as somewhere that he would excel. Um, it's just somewhere that he could overpower if you like. Um, but like you say, just Sunday just seems to have that kind of um, swag about him that he wasn't really trying. Like, he, he really didn't put the foot down. I think, I don't say that he could have win because I think everyone would win if they could, but, you know, just something had that free drop and that was a little bit dodgy and he just fired that at the pin and he was just walking around like he had a really difficult chip and he nearly hold it and everyone was just like, well, that's a great shot and he was like, I'm pretty gutted I didn't hold it. Like, he's just that type of guy now and I think that 
you do have to take a chance on him at like in a decent field because this is where you expect him to be in the future. Yeah, and, and hopeful, you know, you get him. I know he's been in, I think, two WGCs now, one PGA Tour event in that major. Like, you know, none of it really came when he was in this type of form. You know, two second place finished eighth, fourth, just casually continuing to climb and climb. There's enough juice in that number for me that I don't want to give up on Min Woo Lee. Um, I had some long look, you know, I thought, I don't mind coming off of golfers who uh, had won the previous week. Um, where like Thomas Peters, you know, still has kept that form going. I think, you know, he is somebody that similar to the upside of talent, of course, exists for the best of the best in the world. You are going for another selection that you were high on last week, who was a recent winner just on the Sunshine Tour. But after about 36 holes, I thought Burmese, or I mean, not Burmese, but Dean Burmeester, they basically rhyme. Um, But but, uh, Dean Burmeester was somebody who was ripe in that leaderboard ready to go for the weekend just didn't uh been able to capitalize on the birdies he made with a lot of, a lot of those bogeys that fell down i know you were frustrated a bit on that scorecard yeah i mean look i actually think once it became apparent that he wasn't going to contend i was pretty happy for him just to nosedive his way down the leaderboard in the hope that it would just boost his price for this week right because you look at the form that he's got this golf course he's got two fourth place finishes and a full team and when he was 14th last time he played here he opened with a 76. So he was, you know, in, in dreadful form and, and managed to bounce back. And as I mentioned to you earlier, it's very hard to actually place in this event. Like the, the, the top of the board generally covers the top five, six, seven places. And there's the odd one guy that seems to place. Mike Lorenzo Rivera has done it. Uh, Victor Perez has done it in the past. And, you know, you could argue that he deserves to be there. And and Dean Burley Cantor almost did it last Laurie year. Cantor, right? Yeah. Fifth last year. And that was his debut on the course. So, if Dean Burmester has shown on multiple occasions that he can do that, and he's had a recent win, you know, on the Sunshine Tour and a recent win on the European Tour, well, not recent, but this season, right? You know, why the only reasons go against Dean Burmester is you think that he can't win it. Well, as I just said about Roy McElroy, he's 40 to 1, uh, and I can get a bit of each way value on him, or even 50 to 1 in some places. Um, you know, in the top five, I'd rather take a chance Burmester can do that than, than Rory McElroy win. Yeah. That's, I think that's such a good point in these smaller fields that, I mean, yeah, to have the ability hitting it outright golf, is just so hard. It's, it's so hard. And I mean, we went through a grueling stretch of, you know, two months without one, even though we we're doing the same research last week that, you know, we had for, for the previous time. And it's just, does the ball bounce your way? Can they take advantage of those opportunities? And, and does the other golfer not take the chances, you know, yeah. that they could, we could have easily lost him and frustrated that we weren't betting on Laporta last week. Cause I know he was, you know, one of Jason's selections on lost words he was you know Bradley Todd's too you know I, I thought a lot about him and it would have been like man how did you miss that and to feel on the opposite side you know that is why it's such a fun game to speculate on um, and this is where we get into this range that I think there are informed golfers in this middle that um, aren't ripping through the seams of of what they are I mean you have Lucas Herbert who just came off winning on the PGA tour in coming over here and you could still get him at 55 to one. Do you like Robert McIntyre getting him odds in a small field that you didn't see anywhere for him this year? You brought up Victor Perez, you know, is he somebody that found a little bit of life? He's a ball striker. You know, there's a lot that's in this range with decent odds. um, But I have to go back to the well. Sean Crocker's showing those signs, Tom. He's showing them, you know, and it is so frustrating to 
you know, it's almost like if it's too good to be true with a guy like him, the form snaps out of it. And I don't think he's to that standpoint yet. Well, he finished eighth last week, uh, 17th the week before. Um, and he's just doing it with, you know, the game that we know he has 16th Tita green two weeks ago, third last week Tita green, um, you brought up burn when we made this comparison, you know, if you get any sort of flat stick, which is warming up, I, I would say it's not, you know, ice cold in the freezer. Um, you know, it's starting to, to be at least enough where if you're not following, a very, very cold fridge now. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not following on the golf course, maybe he will make a few things. Um, yeah. so, so let's hope that, um, at sixties, I think there's enough juice there that again, we say this so often people know we believe in this talent, but I, I think he's going to win at a big odds one day and I'm willing to take that shot when the ticks are starting to get there. Uh, this, I would be your bet for, for the fact that I like Sean Crocker. I, I would love for him to break through in this kind of tournament, right? I'd love for him to go after me saying that it'd be the top of the board that gets it done and for him to come out and get the win. Because I said to you in the past uh, and you've said it, we've both said it, that we don't think Sean Crocker needs a weak event to win. Like we don't, we don't care where he plays. It's just, Simply, the only person that's getting in Sean Crocker's way is Sean Crocker. And the only thing that's actually doing that is his putter. And he was actually visibly annoyed by it on Sunday uh, and Saturday when he realised, I think it was more Saturday, where he realised he could have made a real good charge on Saturday and put himself into contention and just cannot get those putts to go. And he doesn't strike me as a player, I remember watching a Wentworth and saying this, he doesn't strike me as a player that has a bad routine, looks fidgety, looks to talk himself out of it. And I don't, I don't necessarily say... He's unlucky because there's a long enough pattern to suggest that he's not a good putter, right? So I'm not going to sit here and say he's unlucky, but I don't think he's a crisis putter. I don't think he's somebody that suddenly needs to change the way he puts, change the grip. I think he can just just elevate it somehow. Maybe it is something like a go to a claw or anything like that. I mean, you're just an Aaron Wise go back to the long putter and that's beneficial. I don't want him to do that because then you become basically reliant on it. But as, as you said, this is basically burnt Wiesberger light, right? And mm-hmm. anything, anytime you can get someone like that at big odds, it's worth taking a chance. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's kind of where I stand. Um, and this is where I, I'm not going to let neither of us stay with our cards, you know, really carry away with, you know, the amount that we could, because we could talk about a good amount of golfers, you know, as we go through here, do you want to go back to JB Hansen after he played so well, there's no reason why, you know, he, he wouldn't excel and keep that ball striking form going 70 to one is decent Laporta back to back really, really strong weeks. Um, he is somebody that I feel similar to crockers. Like when all things are going so well, it's almost too good to be true to keep it up um, for, for that extended period of time. And that number has also now, you know, come down in this field where um, I think it's just a different caliber, little Hoygaard or, or Nikolai Hoygaard, I guess I would know little since they're twins. Um, but Nikolai uh, 70 to one, you know, there's some, there's some good numbers. I mean, you mentioned Richard Bland, he could win the entire thing and he's 75 to one in, in this event from your standpoint, who, who do you think uh, catches the eye on the odds board deeper down? So my, so my last official pick was Danny Willett, right? He was the, he was the last selection for me. Um, and, and it was, I had a tough time with it because I, I don't know if I'm just not quite detaching myself from the fact that he's just won for me at 120 at Dunhill Links. And, and I did a lot of that based on the fact that he was showing enough form that when he goes back to a course that he loves, he can win. And that looks exactly the same at this course, right? I was just talking about made Dean Burmis' case for 
two fourth places and a 14th and say that he's a good bit of 40 to 50 to one. Danny Willett's 50 to 60 to one and he's got a fourth, a first and a fifth. So he's got that win here. He's got two top fives. You have to get off to a fast start really to win here. When he won here, Danny Willett was third after the first day uh, and then just slowly climbed third, second, first, first over the weekend. Um, you know, when he was fifth, he started off in eighth place. And when he was fourth, he started off in sixth place. So you tend to have to just be right up there. And I think that if Danny Willett, with the recent form that he's had, even, you know, just it's not brilliant since he's won, but it's good enough to suggest that he can come back to a quarter he loves um, and perform, right? I mean, was it 21st and 24th place finishes? I think he's been on the PGA Tour recently. Uh, since his win, I'm, yeah, twenty first. Missed the cut last week. Yeah, right. And 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 I think again, that's another one that's kind of beneficial to me. He shot a seventy six in the second round. That's a really tough golf course over there in Houston. And maybe you wanted to see him make a bit of a tough go at it. Um, and, and the twenty seventh was kind of like one of those ones that was never really contending. But the twenty first at the Shriners is not really a tournament that particularly suits him. Um, I'd actually say that the Bermuda and Houston, where he's missed the two cuts, are probably more up his alleyway. So. Um, I was kind of surprised by that, but I just think we see it so often now, guys, that they play a little bit poorly on the PGA Tour and people start to discount them. Um, and, and once they drop down into this class, which is a bit different this week because you've obviously got Rory, Colin Morikawa, Answer, you know, et cetera, Fitzpatrick, all the guys at the top of the board, but it's not as deep, right? And it's not a big of a field. So I just think that just a slight drop in class, um, will suit Danny Willett on a course that he loves. And the other guy that I kind of gave a little bit of a look at, who someone I don't really tend to go for, is, is Gary Higo. I thought that it was interesting that he was still 66 to 1 uh, in this field when you would, you know, realistically expect him to be short and that, you know, everything that we've seen about him um, in recent European tournaments is certainly being short and I've been sort of interested in what altogether. And I know that's again, it's a stronger field, but he finished 14th here on his debut uh, last year. He was in eighth place, I think, after round two, shot a 65, I believe it was that day. So there's every reason to think that he could actually, sorry, it was a 66 on the third day he shot. Um, and, and he still finished 14th with a 72nd in the second round. So I think that's pretty impressive for someone of Gary Kiko's quality. He's shown more life lately too. I mean, at the the Bermuda, he mixed in a 67 and a 65. Uh, round of the day at Iacoba, round two with a 63, followed up with a 69, but bookend some pretty bad rounds. Uh, but yeah, I think he's intriguing. Um, DraftKings also came out with uh, their salaries just as we kind of fired up here. So if you want to warm that up, they did a bigger contest too. Um, it's 10K to first. It's still the same amount of people, but the up the entry. So it's $15 to get in, but we rarely see five figures on a um, competing week with the PGA Tour. Um, but the golfer for me, of course, down here, um, we're going with our homeboy, you know, and I'm serious with the homeboy living now in Dubai. I failed to mention as much, you know, as we talked through his roommate did not take a liking to his home course last week. Renato Perator. Uh, I think he was uh, dead last. Dead if, last uh, yeah. So, um, but Guido was decent last week. Um, I think decent is a fair way to describe it. Um, you know, he opened up, I believe three under four under and just kind of moseyed around all week long, just kind of middling better than field average, but nothing special all week, 68, 68, 70, 69. Um, so, I think it's enough with the number. I, somebody tweeted at me 175 to one this morning. They found, um, I see 110 best number here. 
I still believe in the talent more than anything. We talked about as golfer by golfer. We go through, he's only $6,900 this week on DraftKings. So, I mean, we're not having a cut. You know, you're going to have some birdies that are going to be building up. So I think going with Guido um, in that route, it's a great play. Of course, we'll be backing him one more time for the season. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited there. If you took a look at the DraftKings salaries, um, you get some guys that are relatively normally priced mid eights, maybe even high sevens that are cheap this week because of the small field. So would there be any darts that you would throw out that we're not betting, but that might stick out to you there? Yeah, I mean, I kind of started a team here just as we were talking, um, and I managed to start it with Bernd Wiesberger, Minwoo Lee, Billy Horshaw, and Danny Willett, right? And if you can do that, if you can get away from the top guys, that allowed me to to put Francesco Laporta in there at 7,100, which I think is a pretty solid bet. And that leaves me pretty much anyone. So I can have Sean Crocker, Garrett Higo, Nicolo Hoygaard, Guido Migliozzi, Martin Keimer's 6,900. It's pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see how Adrian Moronk gets on. I think that he is an exceptional driver of the golf ball. I think yep. he's an improving talent. I think he will break through soon. I hate to deal with uncertainties, as you know, but if, if I had one to watch next year as a maiden victor, I think he'd be one of them, along yep. with Sean Crocker. Um, and Audrey, Jason... I would I put Audrey in there too. How much yeah. is, Arna- is Arnas in the... F- it's, Arnas? Mm-hmm. It's not price, actually. But... 200 he is. Is he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I think is a little bit steep actually compared to the guys around him. But Jason Scrivener is 6,100. If you really need to, to scrape somebody in there, um, he, he's shown yes. some form in this event. Uh, I think he was 10th before, and I'm pretty sure he was in the top five in, in Abu Dhabi earlier in the year. I meant to bring him up too um, last week. I failed to mention because it was live happening. Scribner closed the Corn Ferry Tour finals with like a 63, like round of the day by like a good amount. And then he flies all the way over to Dubai, you know, and then plays. Of course, you know, it's not easy, but I always think going from the States to Europe is a little bit more difficult than vice versa because you lose a day basically. So I, I kind of think the same thing. I think Dietrich is, is very cheap here too. Yeah. Dietrich is 16,700 and he comes off back-to-back top 25s on the PGA tour. And then he misses the cut on the number last week. It's probably a good thing for him, yeah. you know, rest up a little bit, staying in the same spot. I kind of like that too. You know, it's just, okay, let's, let's rest up. Let's go rip that. So he is extremely cheap overall too. And I think the important thing that you say there is that there is no cut, right? So you're, yep. you're, not, you're not worrying about people that have been a bit volatile. Like, you know, if, I, if someone said to me, are you confident Adrian Moronk making a cut? Obviously, I'm not. You know, there's a reason that he's priced as cheap as he is, that he's not consistent. But am I confident that one day he can go and shoot a 64, 65 over the weekend? Of course I am. Um, Alexander Bjork's played it very, very well here in the past as well. You know, there's a couple of guys, but I think that Jason Scrivener, that's 6,100. I mean, that little nugget that you touched up in there as well about the linebacker over from the corn ferry. I mean, strangely, his first round last week was his best. So maybe yeah. he just finished. And that might happen. You run on fumes, you know, yeah. like that's. And it, and it just and it just caught up with him, right, you know, over, over the course of the week. And there was nothing drastic in there, like 67, 70, 69, 68. Of course, that's not great. You know, there wasn't there wasn't any real low rounds after the first day. But to finish inside the top 31, I think he was 31st, wasn't he? On, you know, coming from where he had been and just knowing that he's got the second uh, in Abu Dhabi earlier in the year where he closed with a 66, you know, not quite in contention, but uh, amongst some big names. And then 10th here uh, in the past as well. I I thought that was, um, I thought that was interesting enough for me. 
yeah, I think you can get very unique on DraftKings. Maybe you might have to, it's not big enough of a contest where you have to really worry about being unique. Sometimes these PGA tour fields that are only 60 golfers, you know, you have to leave hundreds on the table to get unique. There's only 2,500 like entries in this contest. So I wouldn't worry about it, but you get a guy under 10,000 in Fleetwood, you pair it with Weisberger, you know, you can, you can get, you know, a little bit unique if you avoid maybe some of the PGA guys, or you don't want to, you know, jam in Rory Collin, you know, there's different ways to go about it that to 10 K you know, the first gives a good amount of love. And with that I'll transition to, so just to everyone, make sure they're aware how the rest of this season goes and what time and I will be doing. So this again is the last week of the European tour regular season, uh, or I guess the 2020, 2021 season, but they do begin the 2021, 2022 now DP World Tour season already next week. There is not a break. We keep going into it. Sorry for our producer. There is no break. Yeah. That, that I said to him, he said, you know, you know, we get a shorter break than we do on the PJ tour. I said, look, they're just trying to keep you busy. You know, we're, we're here every week, so you better be. You know, it's, it's, it's what it is, isn't it? But we get three events in a row in South Africa. I'm honestly, like, I love the big European tour events, but what maximizes the opportunity in my opinion is when there is not a competing pga tour event because DraftKings juices those up so next week we will get that with the Joburg open now it's going to conflict with the american thanksgiving hopefully they still jam these contests in but um you know i'll be tweeting at them to do it so we have the Joburg open next week then the following week is the south african open championship that's at gary player country club that one does compete with the hero world challenge um yeah. so i know i'm hoping they they give us something but if they are aren't you know they give us something good but then the last week the alfred dunhill championship will also have no competition on the pga tour so um the lpga wraps up literally it'll be the only golf being played um that has been offered on DraftKings after we saw the champions tour wrap up too yesterday with old bernard longer so um we have i think arguably the most opportunity that we get to have from a european tour standpoint these next three weeks we're going to have these challenge tour guys playing that just graduated i think there's no bigger time for our show than these next three weeks to take advantage of those offerings um are you excited I am. Look, I, I think one of the players I actually looked at earlier was uh, someone was Sean Crocker. I looked on his Instagram and he said this was the last event of the year. And I don't know if he meant the season or whether he meant the year, because if he wasn't, because he's played well in South Africa in the past, right? You know, that was somewhere he could have won. Um, and that would be interesting to see him go there. But I think one of the most exciting things for us is those Challenge Tour guys, right? They're coming on to the, on to, well, not the Challenge Tour guys, the, the, the new graduates. You know, we're going to see all these new names. It's going to give us a chance to to talk about someone different, right? Because people are bored of probably of hearing us talk about the same names every single week, you know, um, and that's not to, that's not on us. You know, we have to give you the guys that we think uh, are good value, are, are, you know, prime to win. Um, so the fact that we're going to have some more people to dig into, you know, um, I'm not going to pronounce his name, but the, the Danish guy um, <laughs> we've got to look forward to, uh, yes. Norgard Muller, who, by the way, his Instagram was on fire. You know, he was celebrating, he was popping bottles in the yes. club. There was there was friends with tops off and everything. You know, he looks like a guy <laughs> that likes to get yes. turned up. So he would be an interesting character. Um, look, I think, I think it's great. I think, you know, the fact that it has got that break from the PGA Tour, I think that's probably purposeful from the European tour to put these three events where they have. And I think it gives an opportunity to 
to the guys to start off nice. You know, it's nice to play yep. in South Africa in the winter and, and it will be interesting to see what kind of fields they get there. I'm hoping they're slightly stronger than what we're used to. I guess we're going to get some of the Bezuidenhouts and maybe Ustays in one of them and, and Schwartzel maybe. But if you don't, you don't. Right? Travel's really, really hard at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. One last point on this event, which I was kind of going to bring up and didn't want to, and now I do. Patrick Reed has played here five times. 10th, 10th, 2nd, 28th, and 3rd. Okay. Now, the 10th in the third on his debut, he was third after 54 holes. The 10th on the second time around, he was first after the opening round. Then he had the second. Then he had the 28th, which was horrendous, obviously. And then he had the third last year when he was first after 54 holes. Now, are we expecting him to have that 28th place finish considering what he's been doing in recent weeks? Because... If not, he's probably, you hear about these guys that put Brooks at because he's 30 to 1. Um, you know, he is probably the guy that if he won, I'd just go, what was I doing? He's the yeah. only one that I felt a little bit wary about leaving out. I think um, the way I probably will go after Patrick Reed is on DraftKings. I bet no one will play him there. But similar, you could just say his his odds are, are, are just too long. Um, I loved what he did. Um where was a Bermuda, right? He finished second yeah. there in the really bad conditions. I wish he would have backed it up more the last two weeks because he talked so confidently yeah. after because he was out sick, you know, for a while and it took a toll on him. But yeah, 30 to one in this field does seem rather long. I, I think there was like 28s on him in the Hero Challenge, which is um, a little odd. And it's also odd that I've brought up the Hero Challenge three times this event because <laughs> um, this show, it's uh, way too many times. But yeah, so... I think you could get some really unique lineups going with him in the uh, DraftKings side of it. And, and I'll take your point that he has, the hope was, if you're a Patrick Reed fan, that as soon as he played one in Bermuda, he felt better and that was it, right? But he shot yep. 65 uh, one of the rounds in Mayakoba, and I think he had a 66 or a 67 last week as well. So there's just been enough for me to say he could probably come over to this. Now, he has got to beat the best in the world in terms yeah. of Rory and Morikawa. And and if it was just a, a run-of-the-mill European tour event, then maybe I'd be a bit more interested. For but sure. I, I just thought it was worth mentioning before we signed off. Yep, agreed. And um, before we go and review our card, would like to make sure if you are somebody who supports us, give us a like, um, a subscribe on YouTube. That goes a long way. And if you are a podcast listener, you can find us on any of the different formats. Uh, that'll be Daily Fantasy sports picks and bets the mix um you'll have us there you can find us and again rate review subscribe goes such a long way it's been a blast of a first season um you know as we we enter into south african swing we'll switch that the name you'll notice change and then we'll start into that next year but thank you all for your support and let's sign off with a winner here tom so what is your card yeah just to echo sorry all those comments it's, it's just been really really good you know we've had a and you know we talk quite a lot between us about how we're enjoying it um, and I hope the listeners are too. We've had a really good engagement with people on Twitter yep. in the comments on YouTube. We get an awful lot of people reaching out and asking for help. And I really enjoy that. It's it's nice to feel wanted for one. And and secondly, you know, for the fact that it's still happening. Like if, it, if we'd have done four or five episodes and, and people no longer talk to us, we're not doing our jobs right. But it's been steadily throughout the year. It's been increasing. Yep. And I, I just think that, you know, we've we've got chemistry and I'm really enjoying it. So thank you very much Absolutely. for that. Of course. Um, 
to to summarize my card, Bernd Wiesberger, um, you know, everybody is on Bernd Wiesberger, so I'm not going to uh, be differentiating there. Um, I think he's 22 to 1 now. Dean Burmeester, uh, 40 or 50 to 1, I think he is as well. And Danny Willett, uh, 55s or 60 to 1, uh, whatever's available for you there. Um, oh. I was tempted to take just one from the top in terms of Fitzpatrick or someone like that, but I think maybe Reed might be that play now. So mm-hmm. it might just be worth keeping out to see if I do tweet out that selection later in the week. Yep. Would not mind that. For me, the four are Bernd Wiesberger, 22 to 1, Minwoo Lee, 30 to 1, Sean Crocker, 60, and Guido Migliazzi, 110 to 1. Triple digit Guido is nice in this field. I like it more. Maybe we double down on Guido to, to recap the end of the year and make it a First full circle. Leader. Yes. Hey, we <laughs> might need it, but no, thank you all for your support. Um, and we look forward to the South African swing starting already next week. We will see you then.